Today on CityCast Chicago. It's Native American Heritage Month, but starting next school year, Indigenous history will become a year-round lesson for Illinois students. That's because of a new law that passed this summer. Andrew Johnson is executive director of the Native American Chamber of Commerce of Illinois, and he helped push for new curriculum requirements. He tells us what we might have missed in our history lessons. It's Monday, November 13th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Growing up, it feels like anything that wasn't white American or European history was an elective. If I wanted to learn about the history of of black people dating back before slavery or even in that time period, I needed an elective. But but even then, I was hard pressed to find a class that taught indigenous people's history. Up until this point, what have Illinois students typically learned about native history? What I've seen, it is rather funneled, concise, and focuses on this particular topic only in the November timeframe and uh, generally only around the Thanksgiving holidays. That's, that's been the time when they present different stories, different myths, different stereotypes as to Mm -hmm. natives here in the United States. And it is such a much more dynamic, complex, and deep area to explore. And part of it is with, as you spoke, you had to reach out for electives or other uh, sources uh, to gain more knowledge and education in the area. And actually there really hasn't been anything uh, here mm-hmm. in the state for one to reach out to. The resources have been just uh, non-existent. We say that, um, you know, seem to focus on natives only in November, but uh, we're, we're natives 12 months out of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, because of that poor history uh, of education, in many ways, it, it was a choice, right, to not educate, uh, you know, large swaths of the country about uh, the the history of natives, because in many cases, that means you also have to educate them about the, the genocide of natives in this country. You know, what is the biggest misconception you think most, even just Chicagoans have about our local indigenous history? I still get questions. Oh, I didn't know there were natives here in Illinois. I, I didn't know that uh, you all were, were present and were as active and vibrant of a community as you are. One of the catalysts to this bill came from a lady by the name of Amber Dawn, who served on the school board in Berwyn. She grew up in Washington state and was uh, living close to some of the native nations that were there. So within her school and within her personal life, developed friendships and was impacted by these individuals, by the native culture. It was really a part of something that she was growing up. She said when she moved here to Illinois, all of that was not resident. Uh, And she became very, very concerned. And actually within her position as a board member uh, there at Berwyn, introduced some curriculum, some requirements to be taught in the school there. 
we got in touch and worked with Representative Maurice West to put this together. You know, it was very, very disconcerting um, because there was such a lack of understanding, such a lack of uh, knowledge, you know, not even acknowledging that natives were here. Despite the name of the state, Illinois, having its root in in native languages, Chicago, Peoria, Kankakee, as you go around the city and state, in in many cases, the history has been reduced to to these names that that have changed over the years. But we don't have a federally recognized reservation here in Illinois. And so so without it, you, you see increased erasure. Exactly. And it's such a difference from some of the other states uh, that do have trust land reservations, federally recognized tribes, because they are part of that governing body of the state. And because Illinois removed uh, decimated natives in the early 1800s, we just haven't had that position. And uh, even with that history, with that process, why were natives removed as of the 1830s, uh, 1833 Treaty of Chicago, the Potawatomi were able to hang on to a, a, a small part a small piece of land, uh, and yet even that was taken away from them. And yet today, we have such a vibrant population. So many don't know about federal legislation in the 1950s. One's called termination, and the other's called relocation. With the Termination Act, it really came about because of the condition that the United States government was in financially, that with the end of World War II, a tremendous amount of debt had been incurred uh, to pay for that. So the uh, federal government started looking for ways to minimize their expenditures. And so they thought, well, my goodness, what we can do is terminate our relations with all Native American tribal nations here. So to abrogate all treaties and uh, obligations from those. It began uh, with Roosevelt, went through to Truman, and actually was consummated under uh, Eisenhower in the early 1950s. Uh, So you had that recognition uh, taken away. The second part was what we call relocation. And that occurred, uh, again, with the dropping of the atomic bomb. Well, it introduced a whole new age there with the requirement for for different minerals and resources to support it. And my goodness, where were those minerals Mm -hmm. and resources? Those were on reserve lands for Native Americans. So action took place to how can we remove these people from these lands how can we relocate them? And the feds were basically forcing indigenous folks into the cities and, and Chicago was a big one. Exactly. So all of these different promises were uh, were made for education, for housing, for jobs, all of that. And then once people left the reservation to come in, because it sounded like a pretty good deal um, that once they arrived, none of that was here. That's why the American Indian Center was founded 70 years ago in 1953. We had to find a support mechanism to make sure that we could stay uh, and survive because there was an obligation to stay here in that area for at least a year or more. So before World War II, what you had was 80% of the native population lived on reservations and 20% were urban. And today, 
That's exactly the opposite. About 20% still live on the res and 80% are urban natives. Uh, Chicago has the third largest urban Indian population in the United States. And yet we really haven't had a voice up until now. I mean, this is a huge history lesson, and you're just talking about around World War II. I mean, is this part of what the new curriculum will cover, and, and how far back will it go? Because as we know, the, the stories don't start with the introduction of European colonists. So, so how far back and, and how comprehensive will the curriculum be? We have been here for, since time immemorial. We want to take it all the way back uh, as far as we can with the different uh, creation stories, of the different nations that were here and make sure that we understand that this area was inhabited. Uh, there were incredible trade routes. It was a vibrant community that utilized the different resources here and the tribal nations worked together. That's not to say that there weren't conflicts and confrontations in that, but it um, was a civilization that was far more advanced than what is presented in, in the uh, history books today. And written into it uh, is to understand uh, what sovereignty and self-determination means in terms of the native community and the relationship that we have with the United States government. We are, we are a race and an ethnicity, but we are a nationality too, because our tribal nations signed treaties, had a relationship directly with the federal government. Treaties are the highest law of the land. There are commitments that the United States government made to the, uh, to the nations that are still in effect today and still challenging fulfillment of these different treaties. So self-determination and sovereignty are concepts that we want to make uh, sure that students know and understand. Why do you think those concepts and, and this history is so important for young people to learn? It has to do with our, our agency and representation. What's being taught now is that they really are not recognizing that we were we have been here since time immemorial uh and it uh really affects ever almost every facet of our life uh and particularly to the land that the land is the mother earth it is part of our culture there is a connection there um and so from a legal standpoint too it uh, it takes away our 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 ownership, our history, our connection to it, uh, and because we're viewed as only oh they were just here for a little bit. Now we're here. We have founded everything. The Europeans were people without land coming to a land without people, uh, and yet this was a significantly vastly populated area when they arrived. Uh, we were here at the beginning. This is a transitional time for us, you can you can say we will be here for time immemorial in the future, too. Mm -hmm. I want to know who's developing these lessons and will it go to 
you know, be specific to maybe the area you live in. You know, maybe your area, Illinois, were, was home to more of the Miami tribe or Shawnee or Peoria. Like, so who's developing these lessons and, and will they be area specific in some ways? There are some members of our education committee of the Chicago American Indian Community Collaborative. Uh, we do have others from different states that have already put together curriculum. So in many cases, we're not reinventing the wheel. Things are out there and set, and we'll be able to, to draw from that. So it's both a, a local and national focus on de the development of this curriculum. Uh, and it's taken a bit of time to pull it together. I mean, how will we know it's actually being taught? Will there be a task force going in to say, hey, you know, you're not following the curriculum? Will, will it be self-reported by teachers? Who, who's going to be making sure that this actually gets to students? Well, right now, it's going to be the responsibility of the Illinois State uh, Board of Education and their superintendent to send their people and do an audit to see if they are indeed following the requirements uh, of the law that was passed. Uh, we don't have an independent uh, group who will be able to review this uh, and ensure it's being taught. I've had other educators reach out to me um, and, you know, thanking the Native community for introducing this and, and having a mandate for, for the Native history, the Native curriculum, because they have really wanted to uh, teach this and didn't have resources available, the real content, the lessons plans. So they had to work on some of these things on their own and rely on some uh, other resources that were somewhat suspect. So we're hoping to put together a professional accreditation program so that the teachers, educators can learn more uh, and get more in depth uh, in some of the different areas. Uh, and also to have it age appropriate uh, too. This bill is K through 12. So the things you teach your elementary school students would be very different from there in the high school level. So I think it's going to definitely help from the educator's standpoint that they'll be more confident in what they're teaching. And then on the other side, there is a challenge there for the educators to unlearn what mm. they have learned throughout their lives. So that's something that we're looking forward to where they will question themselves about uh, what they've been taught and learned. My grandfather to this day is still sitting in front of a black and white cowboy picture that, you know, I look at and I'm like, this is this is messed up. This this is problematic. But it, it's 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 been so ingrained in modern pop culture. It's been so ingrained in, in the narrative, but we live in a time now where where people are challenging. You see indigenous communities, uh, you know, protesting in, in the same amount of vigor, but it getting more attention on the mainstream, right? You, you're, you're seeing groups push back and more people asking for indigenous people's day and saying, hey, we just been accepting Columbus Day as sort of the marker. But, but that also makes me think, right? The curriculum is generally so referred to as a history curriculum, but Chicago, like you said earlier, has one of the largest urban native populations today. How will history meet the present for students? Because like we said, 
those protests are, are ongoing. Protests against monuments, protests about the repatriation of remains. You know, if somebody's trying to build a, um, a, a pipeline throughout you know, North America, those protests continue. How do we make sure that history and present are, are side by side in this conversation? That, that really needs to be a part of that curriculum and what's presented in that, in that class to make sure that they focus on these different areas and, and challenges that we, the challenges that we face as natives, not only here in Illinois, but nationally, and get back to the why. Why are people taking this particular position and challenging this and going to the point of risking, literally risking their lives to make sure that that statement is made. So we want to make sure that those students understand the background to it and why it is so significant to our community. We're still hearing today of so many things that happened that we were not aware of growing up. It was not taught in our classes. And in fact, that's one of the most resonant comments after I give a presentation about our history and, and culture. And people come up and say, I was never taught that in my school. Thank you so much for informing me. Uh, it helps me understand you all. That appreciation continues from us over here at CityCast Chicago. Andrew Johnson is executive director of the Native American Chamber of Commerce of Illinois. We appreciate you making time for us here today, Andrew. My goodness, uh, Jacoby, thank you so very, very much. We really appreciate sharing and informing people. So thank you again. Keep it up. Before I let you go, if you're still confused about the differences between community areas, neighborhoods, and wards, check out our breakdown at chicago.citycast.fm. And while you're there, catch up on some old podcast episodes and subscribe to our Hey Chicago newsletter. Of course, I can't let you go without some good news. Y'all know how much we love the public library over here, and there are tons of events happening all week. Tomorrow, there's an anime art workshop at the Austin Branch, a cookbook discussion at Dunning Branch, and a crochet class at the Gage Park Branch. For a full list of events, check the show notes. Seriously, they show an Equalizer 3 at Brainerd and teaching kids how to play Dungeons and Dragons over at Douglas. As always, we appreciate you for listening. We're back bright and early tomorrow morning. I'll talk to you then. Peace.